of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today I'm beginning a, a new six-part series of sermons entitled Desert Spring, This Is Us. And if I were going to give a subtitle to it, the subtitle would be An Uncommon Unity. I mean, think about who we are as a church in the midst of a world where there is such divisiveness. But we are a people of many different nations and races, all different ages, some different beliefs, different politics, even some different theology. And yet there's something that holds us together as a community. And so it's uncommon in a world like ours for a gathering of people like this to be unified around a common purpose. Desert Spring, this is us. In this series of sermons, we're going to be digging kind of deeply into the principles that bring about unity, that bring about healthy Christian community. And at the same time that I'm launching this series of sermons, we're also launching a series of community group meetings to go along with it. The community groups are going to be meeting at different times and different places throughout the week. It's a once a week for maybe an hour and a half commitment that'll last for six weeks, as long as this sermon series. So not a huge commitment, but it's an opportunity to dig more deeply into these principles that we'll be talking about on Sunday morning. We have a curriculum that we've created along with a DVD for the community groups. And those of you who are going to be in the groups, you can pick this up in the Connection Center. If you want to be in a group but haven't signed up yet, Pastor Tim will be out there following this service of worship. We'd love to hook you up with one of the groups that's beginning this week. But if you can't attend a group but still would like to think a little bit more about these themes, would like to dig a little more deeply into these principles, we also created a This Is Us devotional guide. Um, this guide was written by members of our church. I know you'll be greatly blessed if you take a few minutes every day to go through this weekly, uh, daily devotional guide throughout the course of this series of sermons. So as we begin... I'd like to think for a moment about what it is that makes church, church. What are the characteristics or qualities of a gathering of people that makes it church? Or another way to think about this is, what is it that we do here that means we are being the church? I mean, certainly a part of that has to be worship. We gather to worship the one true God. And it also has to include discipling one another, growing up in our faith. And it certainly includes nurturing and caring for one another and helping to meet each other's needs. And it includes reaching beyond ourselves to share the good news of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. But how about joy? Is that part of being church? How, are, how about giving life away? Or how about welcoming new people into our midst? Or how about trusting each other and trusting God? 
how about hope? Hope. Did you know that for the early Christian church some 2,000 years ago, hope is one of the things that kind of set the church community apart from others. It was one of the defining marks of Christian community. Hope. So what is this hope that is a true mark of Christian community? When I was a child, sometimes my sisters and I would ask our parents for things. Maybe to go do something or to get something. And, and there were times when my mom would say to us that we could have that when her ship came in. And it didn't take us too long to realize there was no ship sailing our way. That that was her way of saying to us that in our family, we simply could not afford to do that which we were asking. We could dream of it, but there was no ship sailing our way, so it was never going to come to fruition. Now, Christian hope is different from that. While there are times in life where we dream of things that we have no reason to believe will ever come to pass, Christian hope is an assurance that that which is hoped for will indeed come to pass. Or if I'm going to use the ship analogy, Christian hope means the ship is already sailing. It's already headed our way. And because it's already headed our way, we can stand on tiptoes, leaning toward the horizon with this great set of this great sense of anticipation because every moment is alive with the possibility that the ship is going to come into view out on the horizon. It's headed our way. Christian hope. For early Christians, they had that sense of anticipation that every moment was alive with the possibility of the fulfillment of the promise of God. Every moment was alive with the possibility that that their prayers would be answered, that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Every moment was alive with the possibility that Christ Jesus would return. The ship was already sailing. You see, Christians knew that Jesus, who was born and who died, rose again. And he promised to be with us always, and he promised to return. And so Christians stood on tiptoes, leaning toward the horizon with that great sense of anticipation. Every moment is alive with possibility. That's 2,000 years ago. But this sense of Christian hope continues to be one of the truest marks of the Christian faith. 2,000 years has not weakened our hope. Quite the contrary, it has strengthened our hope. It strengthened our hope because over the course of these years, God has continued to show up, touching people's lives, showing up in the life of, in, in community life. God has continued to show up, encouraging us and strengthening this sense of of hopefulness that the day will truly come. The ship is already sailing. Christian hope. Let's turn our attention to the reading of Scripture.
Our scriptures this morning are from Peter's first letter uh, and from Psalm 40. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, even if now, for a little while, you have to suffer various trials. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jerry. One of my favorite scriptures <clears throat> comes from the book of Ezekiel, the 47th chapter. There, Ezekiel has a vision. The Spirit of the Lord shows him the altar of God. And from the altar, Ezekiel can see a little trickle of water flowing out from behind it. The Spirit takes him outside of the temple where he sees that this little trickle of water has started to grow in size and has become a brook, you know, like maybe ankle deep. So have you ever found yourself standing ankle deep in a flowing river of grace? Now, many of you here have heard this story. Not everybody, but it's a favorite story from when I was in junior high school. I was sleeping over at my best friend Jimmy Gordon's house. I was a bit mischievous when I was in junior high. Hard to believe, I know. And Jimmy was a little mischievous as well. And this particular night, we were especially mischievous. We were out throwing water balloons at each other when somehow we got it in our mind that it'd be fun to throw water balloons at a passing car. Now, behind Jimmy's house was an alley. And the alley led out to Camelback Road in Phoenix. And if you don't know Camelback Road in Phoenix, it's sort of like Charleston here in Las Vegas, a major road. So we loaded ourselves up with ammunition. We walked down the alleyway to the corner house where we ducked below a fence. And we waited for just the right car to come, one that would be on the inside lane close to us and where there'd be no other cars around. I mean, we were mischievous, but we weren't stupid, okay? So we didn't want any other cars around, just one car on the inside road, and sure enough, it wasn't long till one came down the road. We jumped out, took aim, splash, splash, and then we started running back down the alleyway as the car slammed on its brakes. We jumped over his fence into the backyard, hid behind some bushes, trying not to laugh too loudly, and that was it. That was it. A little later, we were in the house, Pretty soon we were in bed. Next morning was Sunday, time to go to church. Now, when we had sleepovers, we took turns going to each other's churches, and it was his turn to come to my church. And in my family, we went to worship first, and then we went to Sunday school. I had a great Sunday school teacher back then. 
She was a great big woman with an even bigger heart. And she loved to give us kids what we call these great big never see the light of day again kind of hugs. Well, Sunday school began with the Sunday school teacher telling the class about this horrible thing that had happened to her the night before. She was driving down Camelback Road when suddenly some kids jumped out from behind a fence and, and pelted her car with water balloons. She slammed on her brakes, frightened that she was going to get in an accident, and she went on and on about how afraid she was. And then at just that moment when I was certain he, she was going to point at me and say, and it was you, David, it was you, she stopped. She didn't say another word. She just went on with the class. When the class was over, Jimmy and I made a beeline for the door, but somehow she beat us there. And I remember looking up at her, and she looked down at me. And I knew she knew, and she knew that I knew that she knew. But she never said a word. Instead, she just gave me this great, big, never-see-the-light-of-day-again kind of hug. And there I stood, ankle-deep in a flowing river of grace. You ever been there? Ankle-deep in a flowing river of grace? Some moment when you experience the love of God? Maybe through another person. Some moment when you experience the love of God? Well, Ezekiel's vision goes on because the Spirit leads him further downstream and this brook turns into a stream and then it turns into a river and it keeps growing deeper and it keeps growing wider. And I love this image because it's so descriptive of the Christian life, how it is that we grow in grace. What starts as a little trickle eventually grows deeper and wider defining our very lives. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've experienced a little bit of God's grace in your own life. Maybe it's that moment when you knew you were loved. Or that moment when you knew you were forgiven and free. The joy of your salvation. Maybe it was an answered prayer. Or a sense that God had opened a door for you. Or had provided for you in a time of need. But once we experience a little bit of God's grace, the journey has just begun. And it's a journey of grace upon grace upon grace. We continue to experience a little more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And this river of grace, it grows deeper and it grows wider, defining our very lives. Ezekiel's vision goes on. There comes a point where he reaches a spot that the river has grown too deep and too wide to even cross. And then we hear that wherever this river flows, it brings forth life. And that all the plant life along the banks of this river are used for the healing of the nations. And how we long for that day. How we long for that day when we will be overwhelmed with grace. And when this new life in Christ Jesus will be fulfilled. And when healing will come. And not just to our lives, 
but to all of creation. And there'll be no more death and no more mourning, for behold, God will make all things new. This is Christian hope. But there's more to hope than that. There's more to hope than that. Because that day when God will make all things new, we don't know when that day will be. It might be a long way off. But in the meantime, there's still that river. There's still that river of grace that's flowing, touching our lives and encouraging us along the way. Our hope is not just in something that will happen someday, but hope is about today, and it's about tomorrow, and it's about the next day. Because hope has to do with how it is that God continues to show up in our lives. Our God continues to show up in my life, in your life, in the life of the church, touching us, increasing our joy, healing our brokenness, and encouraging us along this journey. Hope. I like to think of hope as the air that Christians breathe. How long can we live without air? Not very long. How long can a Christian persevere in a world like ours without hope? Not very long. And this hope that is so fundamental to Our lives as Christians is also fundamental to Christian community itself. When I was a district superintendent, I was blessed to be able to worship in a lot of different churches. I don't know how many churches, more than 50 different churches. Unfortunately, there were some churches that I worshiped in where it would take very little time for me to realize in this church there is no hope. You could feel it. It was like the air had been sucked out of the room and it was hard to breathe. It's hard to worship when there is no hope. It's hard to worship when there is no hope. This hope is the air that we breathe. And Christian worship isn't just about us remembering times long gone. There are churches with no hope who can look back at the good old days. But worship is more than looking back at the good old days. Worship is also standing on tiptoes, leaning toward the horizon with this great sense of anticipation because every moment is alive with possibility that God's going to show up, that God's going to show up in my life, in your life, in our community, and we don't know what God's going to do next. This we do know. It's going to be good. God is good. So it's going to be good. This hope that we have as Christians, it's the air that we breathe. So how do we foster a sense of hope as a Christian community? Well, 1 Peter tells us the importance of doing some remembering. 
We remember that, that Christ, who was born and who died, rose again. 500 people gave witness to having seen Christ resurrected from the dead. And this resurrected Jesus took a group of cowardly followers and turned them into courageous witnesses who were willing to die rather than to deny the truth of the resurrection. And because Christ rose from the dead and promised to be with us always, we know the ship is sailing. And so remembering gives us a sense of hope. There's more to hope than that. There's more to fostering hope than that. In our administrative meetings at the church, you know, the, running the business of the church, every meeting starts exactly the same way with a simple question. Where have we seen God at work since we last met? A simple question that causes those who are present to think about where it is that God has been at work. And it encourages us. It strengthens us. It builds a sense of hope that we're not in it alone, that God is here, and so we can trust in God. It's a great practice. As you gather with other Christians, you might want to try it. Take a few minutes to talk about where you've seen God at work since you last met. And if you don't have opportunities to gather with other Christians, take a few minutes at the end of each day and think about where did I see God at work today? Because as we reflect upon where we've seen God at work, we begin to see more of how it is that God is at work. And as we see more of how God is at work, a sense of hopefulness begins to grow. And as hope grows among us, our worship becomes better. And joy begins to bubble forth. Hope is the air that we breathe. And so, as the people of God, desert spring, the people of God, we're a people who stand on tiptoes, leaning toward the horizon with great expectation. Every moment is alive with possibility because God is not finished with us yet. And whatever is going to come our way next, it's going to be amazing. I don't want to miss it. How about you? Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen.